Sorry, we have to repeat from the beginning. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billahil aliyil azim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi at-tayyibin at-tahirin. In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. In the previous discussions that we had, we talked about the concept of taqwa, its significance according to Quran and Hadith. And we said that taqwa is the only thing that can help us in obtaining happiness and salvation. And then we said to be able to understand whether we have taqwa or not, or whether someone else has got taqwa or not, we have to refer to the Quran and find out what is the real nature of taqwa. Is it taqwa just to do some actions, to perform some rituals, or to say just few words, or taqwa is much more fundamental? So we started studying this concept first in the light of the verses at the beginning of chapter 2. Surat Baqarah, verses 2 to 5. And Alhamdulillah, we studied those verses. And as you remember, in these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself clarified the concept of muttaqin, those who have taqwa, with reference to certain things. One was to have faith in the hidden. Second was to establish the prayer. Third was to give charity. Fourth was to believe in whatever was revealed to the Prophet and to the previous Prophets. And finally, to be certain about the hereafter. If you have all this, you have taqwa, you have guidance, and you would have success and happiness. So now we want to see what is Iman. Because Iman is the very first thing which is mentioned. Hudan lil bil And not only once, even after that, So Iman is very important pillar of taqwa. To have Iman, to have faith is very much needed. Without Iman, you cannot have taqwa. I, inshallah, refer to some verses of the Quran, and alhamdulillah, you've got the handout. But before that, I want to refer to a historical discussion among Muslim theologians, mutakallameen. From the beginning of Islam, there was always a discussion about the concept of Iman. Even from the early, you know, first century, there was such a debate. For example, one of the debates that they had was if a person commits a major sin, is he a mu'min or not? Kharijites, Khawarij, they had the idea that the one who commits a major sin, he is not a believer. And some people had the idea that they are believers. And some people had the idea that they are neither believers nor unbelievers. And these are the Mu'tazilites. And there's a famous you know, story that 
a person went to the mosque and it was the teacher and a group of students who were studying theology, Kalam, the science of Kalam. And this person asked the teacher, I think the teacher was Hassan al-Basri, asked him about the uh, question whether a person who commits a major sin is a believer or not. And one of the students sitting in that circle was Wasal ibn Ata. He said, Manzalatun bainal manzalatain. He said, Neither he's a believer nor he's not a kafir. None of them. And then he left and sat in another corner of the mosque and started his own circle of teaching. And Hassan Basri said, I'tazal anna. He has left us. Or I'tazal anna. Leave us. There are two ways to read it. I'tazal anna means he left us. I'tazal anna means leave us. This was the beginning of the formation of the Mu'tazalite school. So the Mu'tazalite school of thought started because of this question. It was a very fundamental question. You know the Khawarij were so strict that they said whoever commits a major sin, he's kafir. And they you know, wanted to kill many people just because they thought they have committed a major sin. And you know what happened in the war of Safin and afterwards. In any case, this was a very hot issue. Gradually, they started to develop a kind of understanding of what Iman is. Because without knowing what is Iman, you cannot give answer to such questions. And then you find many different answers. Some people said Iman is just Shahadatain, to declare that there is no God but Allah and that Prophet is Messenger. Some people said Iman is knowledge. Some people said Iman is action. Some people said Iman is submission. Some people said Iman is a combination. So there are many, many different views among Muslim theologians from different schools of Islam. What we understand from the Hadith and from the Quran is that for sure, Iman is not just to say that you believe in God and the Prophet. Iman is something which lies in the heart. There is a beautiful verse in Surat Hujurat. You are familiar with this verse perhaps. Arab is different from Arab. Arab means Arabs, but Arab means Bedouins. The Bedouins said that we are Mu'min. The Bedouins said, Amanna, we are believers. Allah says to the Prophet, tell them you are not Mu'min. Just say we are Muslim. Because Iman has not yet penetrated to your heart. So, to become a Muslim, it was just enough to utter kalima. Yeah? To say, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And whoever says this, we have to recognize him as a Muslim. No one should question. There are many hadiths 
in Shia sources and Sunni sources, don't question Islam of a person who himself says, I am a Muslim. If a person says, I'm a Muslim, we have to recognize that. You cannot say he's kafir, he's mushrik. By saying this, all the rulings about Muslim applies to this person. You can get married. If he slaughters something, then you can eat from that. So all the rulings of Islam apply to such person. The only time, please, this is a very important question. The only time a person who declares kalima shahadatain would be considered as non-Muslim is if he does something or says something which according to all Muslims is un-Islamic. According to all Muslims, not only one school of Islam. For example, if this person says, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but he says I don't believe in the Quran Okay so according to all Muslims this person is not a Muslim because everyone knows in the world that Quran is something that all Muslims believe is Quran is without any question part of Islam Okay or if he says kalima, but he says, I don't believe in salat. This is not possible. But if there are things that according to some school is part of Islam, according to some school is not part of Islam, so we have to accept this person as a Muslim. Because it's not obvious that he has rejected Islam. Okay? So this is a very important point. So no one can question Islam of a person who declares shahadatain and doesn't deny something which is obviously part of Islam. If he denies something which is according to some understanding of Islam, part of Islam, and according to some not, we have to still respect him as a Muslim. Okay? Therefore, for example, we believe, for example, in the principle of imamate, imama, imamate. If there are people who don't believe in imamate, we say, okay, you are our Muslim brother. Because there are some Muslims who have not come to this understanding, so we don't question your Islam. In the same sense, if there are some people who don't believe in some Sunni doctrines, they shouldn't question them because this is something that from the beginning was only accepted by some Muslims, not by all. But if someone comes and says something that Sunni, Shia, all say this is part of Islam and this person says no, so this person is himself questioning his faith in Islam. That's another issue. Okay. So, just to say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, can be enough in becoming a Muslim.
But to become mu'min, to have iman, Allah says, it must be in your heart. Iman is in the heart. Okay? So, what is iman? What must happen in your heart? You may say, you must have knowledge in your heart. In addition to declaring, you must also know that this is true. Therefore, some people have said, Iman is ma'rifah, Iman is knowledge. But I say, no, knowledge is not enough. Why? Because sometimes people know something and still they don't have Iman. They don't believe. They don't accept. For example, you think that Muawiyah didn't know that Imam Ali was right? I think Muawiyah knew better than anyone else that Imam Ali was right. So you cannot say because he had knowledge, so he was mu'min. Or there were many people among the pagans who knew that the prophet was honest and was really a prophet. But still they didn't believe in him. The Quran says, جَحَدُوا بِهَا وَاسْتَيْقَنَتْهَا أَنفُسُهُمْ ظُلْمًا وَعُلُوْوًا They denied while they were 100% sure. They were certain. Why they denied? ظُلْمًا وَعُلُوْوًا Because they were arrogant. They were unjust. They didn't want to accept that Muhammad is sent as a prophet by God. Because if they accepted that, they had to leave everything to his hand. They were no longer the masters of Mecca. Not to lose their position was the most important thing for them. So they said, let's deny that he is the prophet so that we keep our position. So, just to know is not enough. You have to know, and more than that, you have to accept. Acceptance is very important. What does acceptance mean? It means that you submit yourself to this truth. You show humbleness before this truth. So if I know something is true and I say I am ready to recognize this and act accordingly, it means that whatever is the cause, whatever it implies, I am ready for that. This is Iman. So Iman and Taslim, submission, come together. Without submission, there is no Iman. Submission is the most important thing. If you accept, if you submit to the truth, definitely you are going to also say it. And you are going to act upon it. How is it possible that I accept something and then I don't act upon it? It's impossible. How is it possible to submit and then not be ready to say it? 
Yes, sometimes there are difficult conditions and you have to keep silent. That is another issue. And Islamically, you are allowed to keep silent when there is a danger. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that the people who hide their iman while their heart is confident. We have about the faithful person in the uh, nation of Musa who was from the family of Pharaoh in Surat Yasin. So he was a faithful person in the family of Pharaoh and he was hiding his Iman. This is possible. Or we have, for example, Ammar. Ammar was hiding his faith because they killed his father, his mother, and once they questioned him and he had to hide his Iman and he was later very worried and he went to the Prophet and the Prophet said, if they put you again in the same condition, do the same thing. Don't worry. This is not lack of Iman. Sometimes you hide your faith and you are 100% sure. That's not a problem. But in normal conditions, in normal conditions, if you have Iman, you would declare it. And you would act upon it. So, Iman is something which settles in the heart and then shows itself in your words and in your actions. Okay? Therefore, we have this beautiful hadith from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, لَيْسَ الْإِيمَانِ بِالتَّحَلِّ وَلَا بِالتَّمَنِّ Iman, faithfulness, is not something that you just put on yourself as a kind of decoration, as a kind of dress, as a kind of adornment. And it's not also something which comes by wishing. Iman is something which settles in the heart and then is confirmed by actions. So Iman is your, must be in your heart, and your actions would confirm that you have this quality in your heart. In another hadith, the Prophet said, Al-Iman ma'rifatun bil-qalb wa qawlun bil-lisan wa amalun bil-arkan. Iman is that you know in your heart, you say by your tongue, and you practice by your organs. In another hadith, the Prophet said, Al-Iman wal-Amal sharikan fi qaran. Iman and action are connected with each other. Allah would not accept one of them without the partner. Iman without action, action without Iman would not be accepted. You have to have both. And when you have both, 
you have what? Taqwa. Because Iman and action is taqwa. Allah only accepts from the pious. Why? Because they have Iman and action together. So, Iman and action come together. And as we said, Iman needs knowledge. Iman would lead to action, would lead to declaration. But Iman is submission, is acceptance, is more than just knowledge. It's dependent on knowledge, but it's more than just knowledge. Now, inshallah, what we want to do is we want to reflect on some verses of the Quran that explain the meaning of Iman and who are mu'min. You know that there are many verses in the Quran about Iman. I have chosen only these verses because in these verses, Allah himself is trying to define mu'mineen, to introduce who are mu'mineen. So these are carefully selected from many, many verses that we have about Iman and mu'mineen. One is... From chapter 8, beginning of chapter 8, from verse 2 to 4. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Innama al-mu'minun. In Arabic, innama shows exclusiveness. It means that this is the case and nothing else. Means these are the only people who are mu'min. It's impossible to be mu'min and have, you know, something other than these qualities. You must have these qualities. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Mu'minun, the faithful, the believers are only these people. Without these qualities, you cannot be Mu'min. Alladheena idha dhukirallah wajilat quloobahum First of all, something about the reaction when they are reminded of God. Means that when God is mentioned, means some, someone talks about God, so they are reminded of God. What is the reaction? Their hearts become very soft. You know, like when you love someone and someone mentions your beloved. So, even if you are doing something else, all your attention comes and you become very soft. So, unlike some people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that when they hear the name of Allah, 
They become full of hatred and they don't like. These are the people that when they hear the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their heart becomes very soft and a kind of beautiful fear, which is not fear in the negative sense, it's oh. So because it's awesome for them to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we understand from this, and inshallah I want to hear your also ideas because I'm always ready to learn. What I understand, and inshallah you tell me what you understand, is that for sure one of the signs of mu'min is his or her love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iman is not just like registering your name in a party. You know, you can be a member of party and in your heart hate the leader of the party. Yeah? You can work in an organization and hate the whole organization. Iman is not like this. Iman comes with knowledge and love. And it is knowledge that love which leads to obedience. Not because you are gaining, you know, something out of this, you know, you are paid. Or, for example, if you don't listen, you know, then they make trouble for you. Iman is that you know and you love. And therefore, you want to do something. Obedience is voluntary. Obedience is not imposed on us. If we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we know him, so we want to do something for him. You know, if your child tells you, give me water, you give him water. This is in a sense obedience. But this is not obedience in the sense that you feel that this is an obligation, you know, this is a burden on me. I wish, you know, I could get rid of this person. No. You love to do something. If your husband, your wife, your friend, a person that you respect, if ask you something, you do it with joy. Indeed, sometimes that person doesn't ask you anything. You just look for something to do for that person so that you show your, you know, care, your love. Sometimes, you know, even, for example, with respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we may not know what he wants from us. We try to do many, many things so that, inshallah, one of them is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So obedience which comes for mu'min is obedience which is fruit of love, fruit of knowledge. So therefore, when there is love, their heart becomes very soft. You know, one reason why heart is called qalb in Arabic, we say qalb. Because qalb also means change. In Arabic, qalb means change. We say, Ya muqallab al qulub wal absar. For Nowruz, we have this prayer. O oh, the one who changes the hearts and visions. Qalb means to transform, to change. Heart is called qalb 
because it's very much changing. Heart is not fixed. Heart is a place that when you love or you hate, when you have hope or you don't have hope, when you fear, all would affect your heart. The very first thing which is affected in your body is your heart. Yeah? Then the blood circulation would be affected. Everything would be... This is why they have used heart in all languages, not only for the physical heart, but also for the spirit. Yeah? So we use it heart, not only in the physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. So the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appears first of all in the heart. This becomes very obvious. And when the verses or communications of God are recited, their faith would be increased, become stronger. And this is a beautiful concept. Increase in faith. Yes, faith can increase or decrease. Faith it has no just fixed level. Because as I said, faith is submission. Submission has different levels. There are people who are ready to submit if there is no difficult test. But if they are really tested, it's difficult. Ibrahim was submissive to the extent that he was put in most difficult conditions and still he was submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The story of his son Ismail. And Ismail also was very submissive to Allah. When his father said, I had dream. And you know, the prophets, when they dream something, it is true. So he had this dream that he has to slaughter his son. So he told his son, and this is different from Bible. In the Bible, Abraham doesn't tell his son, which they say is Isaac, not Ishmael, doesn't tell him that why he is taking him. But in the Quran, Abraham tells his son, this is beautiful, you know, you tell him and then he accepts. It's not that you are deceiving him and, you know, saying, I'm going to take you somewhere. So, he said, What did Ismail say? Said, Ya abatif alma to Umar. My father, please do what you are asked. Satajiduni, insha'Allah, minas sabirin. Insha'Allah. He was not sure about himself, but said, If God wills, you will find me that I would be patient. A little young boy have such understanding that when his father was asked by Allah something, he has to be submissive. It's very important. So it's not just chance, just accident that then all the imams and the Prophet Muhammad come from the progeny of Ismail. In any case, this submission has different levels. 
And Ibrahim was the one who managed to reach high levels of submission. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the faithful are the people that when God's communications are recited for them, their faith would become stronger. And they trust the Lord. It's impossible to be faithful and not trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, everyone in the world trusts someone or some people. You don't find anyone who doesn't trust anyone. We trust our governments. We trust police officers. We trust our banks. Yeah, we, we trust many people. When it comes to God, then we are not ready to trust. Why? What is the problem? Do, you don't believe in God? Of course you believe. You don't believe in his power, in his capability, in his knowledge? Of course you believe. So why when it comes to trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have some kind of reservation, some kind of worries? Why? There is a hadith which says that a faithful will never be faithful unless... He is more certain about what is in hand of God than what is in his own hand. If I have something in my hand, and on the other hand, Allah has promised that he would give me. Which one should be more certain? The one that I have in my hand or the one that Allah has promised? The one which is in my, my hand, maybe someone comes and just steals away. Maybe I want to put it in my mouth, for example, to eat. Then I have heart attack and I cannot eat it. But if Allah says that this is definitely your rest and I'm going to give you. So no one is going to stop him. So one of the signs of the faithful is that they trust the Lord. And they only trust him. In Arabic, normally, when you bring an object before the verb, either it shows emphasis or it shows exclusiveness. Like for example, we say, We don't say, It means, we only worship you. It means, they only trust the Lord. Or it can be for emphasis that they definitely trust the Lord. They are the people who establish the prayer. Like the beginning of Surah Baqarah. Prayer is so important that always is mentioned. Along with the fundamental things about faith. And from what we have given them, they give charity. Prayer and alms, prayer and charity come together. There is no way to achieve happiness except by having these two together. These are like two wings. Do you think a bird can fly with one wing? It's impossible. A bird cannot fly with one wing. You have to have two wings. One is salat, one is zakat. 
In many verses of the Quran, more than 20 verses, these come together. Salat and Zakat. In Surah Bayyana, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a summary of Islam. A summary of Islam. What is a summary of Islam? Allah says, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ They have not been asked except to worship Allah with pure intention. وَيُقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَيُؤْتُوا الزَّكَاةِ وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيَّمَةِ To establish the prayer and give alms. This is the upright religion. Islam would not be in its upright position unless you pray and give zakat. These two must be together. Two wings. If you say, Molana, I can pray a lot, but please exempt me from zakat. I say, I'm sorry. Quran doesn't permit this. If you say, I want to give plenty of zakat, but please exempt me from prayer. No. You need both. You have to pray and you have to give what you love. Both are needed. These are truly and genuinely to be considered as believers. These are the true believers. They have ranks, they have grades with the Lord. Darajat means levels, ranks. This is very important. Means that they are with God in the sense that they are close. Not to be with in the same rank. No one can be with God. It's impossible. It means that next to God, near God. Like, for example, the martyrs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the martyrs, لَا تَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ قُتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَمْوَاتَ بَلْ أَحْيَاءٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ يُرْزَعُونَ Don't think they are dead. They are alive. They are near their Lord and they are given sustenance by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ Means they are near the Lord. Here Allah says, لَهُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ Near the Lord. وَمَغْفِرَةٌ Forgiveness. وَرِزْقٌ كَرِيمٌ And generous, honorable sustenance would be given to them. So, if you reflect on these verses, you realize that Faith with certain actions come together. The minimum actions that must come with faith is prayer, is chari giving charity, is to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to feel good, to feel happy, when you hear the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to increase in your faith when you hear the Quranic verses recited. This is the sign of being a real faithful. Another 
verse which is in the same chapter is verse 74. Again, I have chosen this verse because the verse itself tells us that it is trying to define who are the faithful. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَهَاجَرُوا وَجَاهَدُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آبَوا وَنَصَرُوا أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ حَقَّا لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَرِزْقٌ كَرِيمٌ The people who have faith and they have struggled in the path of God and also the people who gave shelter and helped. So th there are muhajirun, like the people who migrated from Mecca to Medina. And there are ansar who helped them and gave them shelter and accommodation. Both have struggled. One group struggled by living behind their town, their houses, everything that they loved. Another group struggled by giving to their brothers whatever they had. They shared with them everything that they had. These are true believers. And they would have forgiveness and generous or honorable uh, sustenance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So to have just faith is not enough. You have to also struggle. You have to do some action like jihad, a struggle for the sake of God, like immigration, like giving shelter to the brothers and sisters who are in need, helping those who are in need. This is needed. The next verse is from Surah Tawbah, chapter 9, number 71. وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ بَعْضُ Believing men and women, Iman is not only for men or for women. Iman is for both, men and women. When they have Iman, they are guardians of each other, wali of each other. I am your wali, you are my wali. Some of you may have heard or read my lecture about collective nature of Velaya, where I have explained that Velaya is not only between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the Prophet and Ahlul Bayt. Velaya is something that binds all of us together and then with Imam and the Prophet and Ahlul Bayt and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you are my Wali, I am your Wali. You have rights over me, I have rights over you if we are Mu'min. Our destiny is interconnected. We are not separate from each other. Even on the day of judgment, we will all be finally assembled and asked to stay behind our leaders. So we would not be separate from each other on the day of judgment. So, inshallah, if... Uh, you like, you know, listen to that lecture, Collective Nature of Velaya, it's online. So, all the believing men and women are guardians of each other. And therefore, what they do, 
is that they bid each other the good and forbid each other the bad, the evil. Because I feel responsible with respect to you. You feel responsible with respect to me. You cannot say, I don't bother what is happening to this man. You are my guardian. So you have to feel responsible. If you see I am doing something wrong, you should do something to help me. And the same way I should do to help you. يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ To enjoin the good and prohibit the bad, it's different from being nosy. Some people think you are nosy. Why you are interfering? No. It's not to be nosy. It's because I feel we are one family. We are passengers of the same boat. Whatever happens to you, happens to me. So I cannot say, okay, I don't bother, you know. I have to only look after myself. No, indeed, if you want to look after yourself, this is part of the way that you can look after yourself. Because these are part of yourself. Islam extends yourself. Islam says, your children, your family, your friends, all the mu'mineen are part of yourself. So, there is no chance to be a Muslim and be selfish. Because Islam has already extended yourself. So, يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْحَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيُغِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةِ They establish the prayer and they give alms. وَيُتِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ and of course, they obey Allah and the Prophet. These are the people that God soon will show them his mercy, his special mercy. Allah has mercy for everyone. Even Allah has mercy for kuffar, for animals, for plants. But this is a special extra mercy for the believers. Truly God is Aziz, he is not defeated, he is very strong and he is wise. So, according to this verse, the faithful are the people that have collective responsibility towards each other. They are enjoying the good, prohibiting the bad, establish prayer, give alms, and obey Allah and the Prophet. So, this is another verse. And then we have verses from Surat Al-Mu'minun which takes longer so I leave it for the next session and I go to the verse 15 of chapter 49 on the page 3. So from Surat Al-Mu'minun we leave it for the next session. A'udhu Billahi Minash Rajim Al-Mu'minun Again, Allah is saying that these are the only faithful people. The only people that can be considered as the faithful are those الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَرْتَابُوا The people who have faith and then never doubt. Sometimes you have a question. That's not a problem. Don't worry if you have question. Always ask when you have question. Islam not only says it's not a problem to have question. Indeed, Islam says you should ask. If you have question about anything, don't worry. 
Even if you have question about God, about Quran, about Prophet, that's not a problem. We encourage people to ask. But what is important is that to be at the same time willing to understand the truth. Just don't keep question in your mind. Go and make inquiry. Go and ask. Go and study. And for sure you will find the answer. We don't have any worry. We don't think we should keep people you know, under pressure by saying not to ask, not to question. No. We are so confident, alhamdulillah, especially in the school of Ahlul Bayt, that we know that every type of question has its answer. There is no worry. So that's not a problem. Once a person went to Imam Sadiq and he said, you know, I am destroyed. I am finished. Because a question, a very burning question occurred to him. And as far as I remember, before saying what was the question, Imam told him that this was the question in your mind. That if God has created everything, so who has created God? So this question happened to him. And this is the question that Bertrand Russell says that came to me and I didn't have answer for that and I become atheist. So this person at that time had this question and he said, I am destroyed. Because he thought just by having this question in his mind, he has lost his faith. And Imam Sadiq said, no, that, don't worry, this is not a sign of having no faith. This is a question. Indeed, the fact that you are worried shows that you are mu'min. If you were not mu'min, you didn't bother. This is a question and it's very natural and has its answer. We don't say everything is in need of a creator. We say everything which is contingent, everything which is created is in need of creator. So the one which is not created is not in need of creator. It's a simple answer. In any case, we are never afraid of people asking. We should encourage people to ask. But doubt is different. Sometimes people don't want to be sure. They, you know, themselves deliberately try to create doubts. You know, sometimes I don't want to do something, so I create, you know, doubts. So, for example, you tell me that it's harmful for you to, for example, eat fatty food. And I know that this is fatty food, but I love to eat this. So what do I do? I say it's not fatty. It looks fatty. I have you know, examined this. I'm sure it's not fatty. So I want to escape by denying. It's said that this is a beautiful story I often you know, remember and sometimes I mention this story. It said that one of the students of Avicenna, who had great respect for him, told him, my master, you are such a genius person that even if you claim to be a prophet, people would believe in you. So why you don't claim that you are a prophet? So Abbasina didn't say anything to him, wanted to give him the right answer. 
in right time. So Avicenna one day was traveling and what with his son, uh, with a student and they slept in some place and it was very cold very cold so just before fajr he awakened his student and said i am thirsty please give me water at that time they didn't keep water in the room they didn't have fridge so they had to go outside and take water and bring it so his student was sleeping in the warm bed outside was freezing cold so he said my master your body is warm this water is cold it's not good for you so he brought all the excuses so that he doesn't leave the bed and go outside and then this took you know long time he was trying to say to Avicenna that it's not good for you then they heard the voice of Azan from the minaret. So Avicenna found this is good time. He said, you are my student. You have been with me for many years. Just two nights, not every night, just two nights I asked you water, you didn't bring me. This man has not met the prophet. After many centuries, every night he leaves warm bed and go on the top of Menorah, which is the most freezing place, and says, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the difference between me and a prophet. So this was the best time to give him the answer. So the student of Avicenna didn't have doubt that he should give water to his teacher but he had this as a kind of excuse so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the faithful are those people who believe in God and the prophet and then they don't just doubt they don't decide to doubt وَجَاهَدُوا بِأَمْوَالِهِمْ وَأَنفُسِهِمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ and struggle hard with their wealth, with their lives, in the way of God. These are the honest, the truthful people. These are the people who have shown with their actions, with their behavior, that they truly believe. So they have gone through all the tests and are successfully coming out of those tests and they have passed the test so here we find that to be faithful means to be certain and to be ready to give some kind of sacrifice to undergo some difficulties to struggle with your money with your life sometimes people find it more difficult to give money Sometimes people find it more difficult to give life. A mu'min is ready for both. Whatever is needed. If we need to give money, we should give money. If we need to give life, time, energy, health, we should be willing to give. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us, we should be ready to give. And this is the only way to prove that we are truthful. We are honest in our claim to be faithful. Inshallah, we continue the discussion.
with the verses 1 to 11 from chapter 23. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين.